I'm Joe, and this is an audio version of my report, Scheming AIs. Will AIs fake alignment during training in order to get power? I'm reading this report in sections. This section is the first part of section four, and it focuses on what I call counting arguments for schemers. Audio version, audio versions of the other sections are available on this podcast as well, and the series begins with an introductory section that includes a summary of the entire report, which covers most of the main points and technical terminology. I'm hoping this summary will provide much of the context necessary to understand individual sections on their own. Section 4, Arguments for slash against scheming that focus on the final properties of the model. Various arguments for and against scheming proceed by comparing the final properties of different model classes, e.g. schemers, training saints, reward on the episode seekers, etc., according to how well they perform according to some set of criteria that we imagine SGD is selecting for. What is SGD selecting for? Well, one obvious answer is high reward. But various of the arguments I'll consider won't necessarily focus on reward directly. Rather, they'll focus on other criteria, like the, quote, simplicity or the, quote, speed of the resulting model. However, we can distinguish between two ways these criteria can enter into our predictions about what sort of model SGD will select. 4.1. Contributors to reward versus extra criteria. On the first frame, which I'll call the, quote, contributors to reward frame, we understand criteria like simplicity and speed as relevant to the model SGD selects only insofar as they are relevant to the amount of reward that a given model gets. That is, on this frame, we're really only thinking of SGD as selecting for one thing, namely high reward performance, and simplicity and speed are relevant insofar as they're predictive of high reward performance. Thus, as an example of a, quote, simplicity argument given in this frame, an example would be, Quote, a schemer can have a simpler goal than a training saint, which means that it would be able to store its goal using fewer parameters, thereby freeing up other parameters that it can use for getting higher reward. This frame has the advantage of focusing, ultimately, on something we know SGD is indeed selecting for, namely high reward, and it puts the relevance of simplicity and speed into a common currency, namely contributors to reward. By contrast, on the second frame, which I'll call the extra criteria frame, we understand these criteria as genuinely additional selection pressures, operative even independent of their impact on reward. That is, on this frame, SGD is selecting both for high reward and for some other properties, for example, simplicity. Thus, as an example of a simplicity argument given in this frame, an example would be, quote, a schemer and a training saint would both get high reward in training, but a schemer can have a simpler goal, and SGD is selecting for simplicity in in addition to reward, so we should expect it to select a schemer. The, quote, extra criteria frame is closely connected to the discourse about, quote, inductive biases in machine learning, where an inductive bias, roughly, is whatever makes a learning process prioritize one solution over another, other than the observed data, see e.g. Box 2 in Battaglia et al. 2018 for more. Thus, for example, if two models would perform equally well on the training data, but differ in how they would generalize to an unseen test set, the inductive biases would determine which model gets selected. Indeed, in some cases, a model that performs worse on the training data might get chosen because it was sufficiently favored by the inductive biases. As an analogy in science, sometimes a simpler theory is preferred despite the fact that it provides a worse fit with the data. In this sense, inductive biases function as, quote, extra criteria that matter independent of reward. Ultimately, the differences between the, quote, contributors to reward frame and the, quote, extra criteria frame may not be important, but I think it's worth tracking which we're using regardless, because at least naively, they point in somewhat different argumentative directions. In particular, in a, quote, contributions to reward frame, the question of, quote, which model gets highest reward settles the question of which one we should expect SGD to prefer, at least modulo noise, slack in training, etc. Whereas, by contrast, an extra criteria frame leaves that question more open. It forces us to grapple with what sorts of extra criteria SGD might be giving weight to, and how much weight. It connects more directly to the theoretical discourse about inductive biases, and it raises more questions about whether we may be able to influence those biases in favorable directions. Section 4.2, the counting argument. Let's turn now to a basic argument for expecting schemers that focuses on the final properties of different model classes, namely the, quote, counting argument. This argument is closely connected to the commonness and goal space consideration discussed in the context of the nearest max reward goal argument, but, I'm here, but it's here presented without reference to the path that SGD takes. 
We start by considering some different model classes that would get high reward in training. In my ontology, there would these would be training saints, misgeneralized non-training gamers pursuing some high reward goal, reward on the episode seekers, and schemers. We then argue as follows. One, the non-schemer model classes here require fairly specific goals. A. Thus, for example, if you're rewarding your model when it gets gold coins on the episode, then to be a training saint, it needs to value gold coin gold coins on the episode. To be a misgeneralized non-training gamer, it needs to value something pursuit of which very closely correlates with getting gold coins on the episode, even absent training gaming. And to be a reward on the episode seeker, it needs to terminally value reward on the episode. Two. By contrast, the schemer model class is compatible with a very wide range of beyond episode goals, at least if we assume that the other requirements for scheming to make sense as an instrumental strategy are in place, e.g. that the classic goal guarding story or some alternative works. A. Thus, for example, the model can value paperclips over all time, it can value staples over all time, it can value happiness over all time, and so on. Three. In this sense, there are, quote, more schemers that perform well in training than there are non-schemers that do so. Four, so other things equal, we should expect SGD to select a schemer. In a sense, this is an extension of one of the most basic concerns about misalignment more generally, namely that the class of aligned goals is very narrow, whereas the class of misaligned goals is very broad. So creating an aligned model requires, requires, quote, hitting a narrow target, which could be hard. Naively, this basic argument suffers from neglecting the relevance of our selection power. Compare most arrangements of car parts aren't a car, therefore it will be very difficult to build a car. And so it needs some further claim about why our selection power will be inadequate. The counting argument above is a version of this claim. In particular, it grants that we'll narrow down a set of models, will narrow down to a set of models that get high reward, but argues that still the non-schemers who get high reward are a much narrower class than the schemers who get high reward. And non-schemers aren't necessarily aligned anyway. So unless you can say something further about why you expect to get a non-schemer, schemers, the argument goes, should be the default hypothesis. To the extent we focus specifically on the final properties of different model classes, some argument in this vicinity accounts for a decent portion of my credence on SGD selecting schemers. And as I'll discuss more in section 5, I think it actually, it's actually what underlies various other more specific arguments for expecting schemers as well. However, the argument I give most weight to doesn't immediately move from, quote, there are more possible schemers than non-schemers to, absent further argument, SGD probably selects a schemer, call this the strict counting argument. And the reason is that it's not yet clear to me how to make most sense of this inference. In particular, the most natural construal of this inference proceeds by assuming that for whatever method of counting, quote, individual models, not model classes, results in there being more schemers that get high reward than non-schemers that get high reward. Each of these individual models gets the same reward and performs equally well on whatever extra criteria SGD's inductive biases care about, such that SGD is equally likely to select any given one of them. That is, we assume that SGD's selection process mimics a uniform distribution over these individual models, and then note that schemers, as a class, would get most of that probability. But given that these model classes are different in various respects that might matter to SGD, it's not clear to me that this is a good approximation. Alternatively, we might say something more like, perhaps some of these individual models actually get more reward or perform better on SGD's inductive biases, such that SGD actually does favor some of these individual models over others. However, we don't know which model SGD likes more, so knowing nothing else, we'll assume that they're all equally likely to be favored, thereby leading to most of the probability going to some schemer being favored. However, if we assume instead that one of those model classes as a whole gets more reward and or performs better on SGD's inductive biases, then it's less clear how the, quote, number of individual models within a given class should enter into our calculation. Thus, as an analogy, if you don't know whether Bob prefers Mexican food, Chinese food, or Thai food, then it's less clear how the comparative number of Mexican versus Chinese versus Thai restaurants in Bob's area should bear on our prediction of which one he went to, though it still doesn't seem entirely irrelevant either. For example, more restaurants mean more variance in possible quality within that type of cuisine.
E.g., it could be that there are 10 Chinese restaurants for every Mexican restaurant, but if Bob likes Mexican food better in general, he might just choose Mexican. So if we don't know which type of cuisine Bob prefers, it's tempting to move closer to a uniform distribution over types of cuisine rather than over individual restaurants. My hesitation here is related to a common way for, quote, counting arguments to go wrong, namely by neglecting the full selection power being applied to the set of things being counted. It's the same way that, quote, you'll never build a working car because almost every arrangement of car parts isn't a working car goes wrong. Thus, as a toy example, suppose there are two to the 100 schemer-like goals for every non-schemer goal, such that if STD was selecting randomly amongst them via a uniform distribution, it would be two to the 100 times more likely to select a schemer than a non-schemer. Naively, this might seem like a daunting prior to overcome. But now suppose that a step of gradient descent can cut down the space of goals at stake by at least a factor of two. That is, each step is worth at least a, quote, bit of selection power. This means that selecting a non-schemer over a schemer only needs to be worth 100 extra steps of gradient descent to SGD for SGD to have an incentive to overcome the prior in question. And 100 extra steps, gradient steps, isn't actually all that many in a very large training run. Though, of course, I just made up the 2 to the 100 to 1 ratio here. What's more, as I'll discuss in the context of the speed cost of scheming, I think it's possible that it would indeed be, quote, worth it for SGD to pay substantive costs to get a non-schemer instead. And I think this is a key source of hope. More in section 4.4. Partly due to this hesitation, the counting argument functions in my own head in a manner that hazily mixes together the, most, the quote, strict counting argument with some vaguer agnosticism about which model class SGD likes most. That is, the argument in my head is something like, one, it seems like there are, quote, lots of ways that a model could end up a schemer and still get high reward, at least assuming that scheming is in fact a good instrumental strategy for pursuing long-term goals. Two, so absent some additional story about why training won't select a schemer, it feels to me like the possibility should be getting substantive weight. Call this the, quote, hazy counting argument. Here, the, quote, number of possible schemers isn't totally irrelevant. Rather, it functions to privilege the possibility of scheming and makes it feels robust along at least one dimension. Thus, for example, I wouldn't similarly, similarly argue, quote, it seems like in principle the model could end up instrumentally training gaming because it wants the lab staff members who developed it to get raises. So absent some additional story about why this won't happen, it feels like the possibility should be getting significant weight. The fact that many different goals lead to scheming matters to its plausibility. But at the same time, the exercise of counting possible goals doesn't translate immediately into a uniform distribution over, quote, individual models, because the differences between model classes plausibly matter too, even if I don't know exactly how. To be clear, the hazy counting argument is unprincipled and informal. I'd love a better way to, of s separating it into more principled components that can be analyzed separately. For now, though, it's the argument that feels like it actually moves me. Okay, so that was the first part of section four, which focused on the counting argument. The rest of this report is available on my podcast as well. Thanks for listening.